We spend all of our time professionally, what you just talked about, kind of coaching people up. We, we sit down, we do assessments with clients. They tell us what their goals are. They, we establish kind of a, a baseline. This is where they're at. This is what they need to work on. Here's our plan. We give them an exact roadmap to go from where they are to where they want to be. And then we coach them every step of the way, but we don't employ that same approach with the people on our team, the people that can have the most impact. So, you know, we can scale really kind of as far as we want if we empower people in that way so we have more reach. Because let's face it, there's only so much any of us can do individually. But if we build this kind of small little army of people that, hey, this person can go impact 50 people and that person can impact 50 people. Now our reach is multiplied many times over. My name is Jess and I am your host here on the Social Strategy Slayer Show, where we talk all things social media for entrepreneurs. Specifically though, how to build your influence and consistently land your ideal clients through the content you're putting out there without you needing to sacrifice your authenticity, your time, or without you needing to run a bunch of expensive ad campaigns. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Social Strategy Slayer. I am so excited to share with you an interview I did with Pat Rigsby for the Seven Figure Fitness Business Show. So that show wasn't another podcast or anything. It was actually an online summit that we did a couple months back where we had some of the biggest, best names in fitness that I interviewed and you opted in through email and we sent you the interview. But um, um, my wedding's coming up and I just wanted to think, how can I give you guys the most value here while I am taking a little bit of time away from my business? And this is such a great way to do it. The interview with Pat Rigsby is so great. I actually left in the intro I did for Pat after I had finished filming. So take a listen to that and make sure that you take a screenshot of this episode and get it in your Instagram story or on your Facebook page and tag me and Pat and let us know that you listened to this interview. There is so much goodness in here, so many lessons to be learned. Pat is just an absolute genius. I cannot wait for you to listen. All right, I'll see you inside. Welcome back to the Seven Figure Fitness Business Show. I am very excited for you to hear from Pat Rigsby today. He is amazing. We just met through this um, through this show. Somebody had suggested I look him up. And wow, he's incredible. Most of you guys probably already know who he is because he is very established in this industry. And if you don't know him, Pat is a husband, a dad, a business coach, an entrepreneur, and an author. He's built over 25 different businesses, including two entrepreneur franchise, 500 award-winning franchises. Pretty cool. Today, he coaches entrepreneurs to create their ideal business, one that allows them to earn more, have a greater impact, and enjoy more freedom to live the lives of their dreams. He's here today to share his insights with you, to help you build your business, and make it a business of your dreams. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. We are diving into what it takes to build a seven-figure business. Pat gives you really tangible ways you can actually niche your business down. You can look at programming a different way look at team building a different way. We talk a lot about team building, a lot about marketing, and a lot about the habits that I believe when I was listening to him talk, I was just noticing how committed he is, 
all the amazing habits he's put in place for himself and just the follow through level and the, the focus level is, is just out of this world. I cannot wait for you to hear from Pat. And also his free gift is a, an entire book that you can just download. I, I just downloaded and started reading it today. It's very good. So click below for that. And also when you're done, make sure you head to the Facebook group and leave your biggest takeaways. If you leave any questions for Pat, I'll make sure to send them over to him. Maybe I'll even add him to the group and see if he would do a and a with you guys. Um, if there's demand for it, so cannot wait. And, um, I will talk to you guys soon. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the seven figure fitness business show. I'm super excited to have Pat Rigsby here with me today. Hey, Pat. Hey, happy to be here. Thankful that you'd take the time to talk with me. Oh, the feeling is mutual. When Vito Lafada connected us, I was so excited. I dove into your website and your social media, and I'm just super excited. I have so many questions. Um, but to start, could you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? I know you and I just talked about your mastermind groups, um, which are really cool. So I just love for everyone to kind of get to know you a little bit. Well, you know, for the past I guess 16 or so years, I've uh, been coaching fitness professionals uh, to build their ideal business. So not just revenue or client generation, but also playing their best role, building the business they want so they can have the impact they want to have. Um, do it largely through kind of group coaching, mastermind coaching. Um, so yeah, I get to work with really cool people, helping them do what they want to do. So it's 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 pretty good gig it's the best gig <laughs> um we were just talking before we started recording about how awesome fitness business owners are and how we've both just always come back to that which is so awesome um i'm curious what you think about how fitness business owners can start to build more financial freedom that ideal business you were talking about one thing i notice a lot is a lot of fitness business owners have superhero syndrome where they think they're the only one who can do all the things and their time is so strapped and they're still kind of looking at themselves as more of working in the business, working as a trainer. What are some steps that you give people when they do come in to um, business growth accelerator? What do you tell them how they can start actually making more financial freedom and freeing up their time? So, I mean, there, there are, um, a couple sides of it, right? There is, okay, what, what kind of systems or processes can we put in place or automations? And then there's playing your best role and empowering other people to play their best role too. So, you know, you can craft onboarding sequences, you can document systems, you can um, really put things in place so that you know, we're really just saying, okay, the things that you do well, we're going to kind of streamline or automate or systemize those things. But then the second part is just a mindset that, you know what, you've got your unique abilities or your, um, your gifts or what I consider your best role. And, you know, that's what's not only going to pay you the best, but it's also going to be the most fulfilling. And so there just has to be a mindset shift instead of saying, okay, I'm going to be the doer of all things to I'm going to be the facilitator of things being done. And, you know, what, what's great about that is 
you know, when you, when you make that move, you know, you may take your effective hourly rate from 50 or $60 an hour to a hundred, 200, $300 an hour, maybe more, but you're also doing the things that energize you, the things that, that really kind of light you up, that you're excited to go do instead of the things you kind of tolerate doing. And you're able to hand off these other responsibilities, obligations, tasks to people that may be lit up by doing those, right? I mean, I've got people on my team who are definitely like if you were to use like a disc profile or something, an S and a C and I'm, you know, D and I. And so the things that they're excited about, the way they kind of work and think, it's a little bit different than me. And so, you know, I don't want a bunch of clones of me on my team. I want people over here saying, okay, you know what? I can be the best in this company at doing this thing. And, you know, I think that's a, a, a wonderful kind of a, a, a wonderful thing that I, you know, I just kind of intuitively got because I came to this industry from, you know, competitive sports. I was a college baseball coach where everybody plays different positions, right? So you're not playing every position simultaneously. And here it was the same thing. It's like, man, I don't want to be the, the person who's doing the bookkeeping and the person who's uploading the, the emails or managing the social media. And then the person who's writing the programs. And I think we've all done it. And that's kind of the startup phase, right? But we don't want to be a startup in the perpetuity, right? We want to, we, we want to kind of delegate and elevate. We want to graduate from that position. And honestly, if we're still behaving like a startup five years in, we're probably doing it wrong, right? Totally. I love that you said delegate and elevate. That's a, a good shift. And one thing you said too, that I think people forget is how you're empowering other people. Like what I'm hearing you say is when you're the coach of the baseball team, you're empowering the pitcher, you're empowering, you know, the shortstop. I don't know about positions. I hope that was right. <laughs> that That's it. I mean, you know, I, I think that you have to accept a few things tactically. Like, yeah, you know, I think we all understand. We want systems because we want to repeat the things that we do well consistently. We want to make sure that we, we operate at that highest possible level. And if we get something right, well, let's just continue to do it that way. But that's tactical. Like mindset wise, we have to accept that this is all a team sport or this is all a team activity. And, you know, you're really limiting your, your ceiling, you're limiting your fulfillment, you're limiting your income if you're trying to do everything. And that doesn't mean that you can't do it all. It means that you're probably doing some things that maybe like on a scale of one to 10, there are probably a number of responsibilities you have that are like eight, nine, 10, that just really fire you up and you're really excited about. But there are also things that are like threes and fours and fives. Well, you need to give those to somebody that those are eights and nines and tens for them and then you need to set them up to succeed. You need to tell them what success looks like, tell them how to get there, and then coach them up consistently so 
you know, they can have that eight, nine, 10 experience because when you have everybody on your team feeling that way, man, I mean, the sky's the limit. You have great culture. Everybody, you know, is really operating at a high level. That's so powerful. And I think oftentimes fitness business owners, they focus a lot on coaching their clients but they forget about coaching their teams and what, you know, that's a huge part of it. Like you're coaching everybody, um, which is really cool. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes? Like when you have someone new come into your program and they're a studio owner and they're looking to scale their business and actually create income, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see them making? Well, they're, you know, they're, they're, a number of them, but one is when they do want to scale and they do accept that, okay, I need to hire people. They don't set them up to succeed, right? They, they don't tell them what being great at this job looks like. They, they don't say, Hey, this is the vision we have for the business. This is the role that, that this job plays and getting us from where we are to where we want to go. And so they don't tell them what being great looks like. And then they don't give them a plan to get there, which is so kind of strange for our industry, right? Because we spend all of our time professionally, what you just talked about, kind of coaching people up. We, we sit down, we do assessments with clients. They tell us what their goals are. They, we establish kind of a, a baseline. This is where they're at. This is what they need to work on. Here's our plan. We give them an exact roadmap to go from where they are to where they want to be. And then we coach them every step of the way, but we don't employ that same approach with the people on our team, the people that can have the most impact. So, you know, we can scale really kind of as far as we want if we empower people in that way. So we have more reach because let's face it, there's only so much any of us can do individually. But if we build this kind of small little army of people that, hey, this person can go impact 50 people and that person can impact 50 people. Now our reach is multiplied many times over. So, so that's a big one, right? And instead in our industry, a lot of times we hire when we're burned out and when we're kind of exhausted and it's like, I got to get this off my plate. So I'm going to throw a little bit of money at it and I'm just going to hire somebody and then I just want to be hands off. I'm paying them so they should figure it out. And that's just, that's setting them up to fail. That's setting us up to be frustrated and kind of reinforcing that belief that we have to do it ourselves because it's like, well, they couldn't do it. Well, you didn't set them up to succeed. You didn't give them a plan to do it the way that you want. So that's probably the biggest thing. The second the, the second biggest thing is, you know, I think that we don't have this, this understanding of, man, we're continually in the client generation business, right? People's, the client, our clients, their lives change, their circumstances kind of evolve, they may move, they may, um, you know, they, they may have different stages of life, different seasons of life where things change, their priorities shift. And so we have to continually be bringing people in. So we need to kind of fill that pipeline, if you will, and always be prospecting, always be moving people through kind of this follow-up system. I mean, I am 
kind of relentless with follow-up. I've sent a daily email without missing a day for 16 years. And it's just, hey, I'm going to follow up with you until you're sick of me or until you're a client, one or the other. And I think if we continue to move people through and build relationships with more and more people that way, and we just understand that marketing is not an episodic thing, lead generation is not something that you just kind of turn on and off. It's it's perpetual. And then if you feel like, well, hey, I've got too many, well, then it kind of shifts back to that. Well, let's coach some other people and empower people to, to impact these prospects' lives, the people who want help. Well, if we're the best person to help them, then we need to find a way to make that work. So powerful. You guys need to re-listen to this. <laughs> make sure you re-listen to this interview. This is really good. So um, a couple key things I just want to reflect back that I thought were super awesome. Number one, um, setting everyone up for a win. I see this in the social media landscape all the time. People will DM me and say, my social media manager sucks or my team member who's doing social media sucks because that's what I do is social media. And I oftentimes I look at their message and their message is so broken. I'm like, hey, what are like, what's your core message? What's your core business message? And they can't answer me. I'm like, awesome. So how in, how could they possibly do a good job? They're probably great actually. And they probably just need more direction. If you don't have certain things dialed as the business owner, as the leader, how can your team come in? They're not going to be able to be set up for a win or take you where you want to go. Cause only you have that vision. And then it's your job to coach them from the passenger seat um, to where they're going to take the business too. The other thing I think you said that you touched on, but I just wanted to highlight because I think that it's really important is I heard you say the team has to also be bought into the vision of where you're going and see their role directly. So if you have an assistant or a VA or a front desk person, how can you empower them to help them see where they fit in with where the business is going, make them feel valued, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think has helped me along the way is um, I'm very much a kind of why, what, how person. Like, I always want to tell people why we're doing something because if they don't connect with the why, then they're going to probably mail it in on the, the how. And, you know, people don't have to line up with us as owners, you know, step by step, but they have to probably share some of the same values and they, they probably have to, to, to really connect with our vision to, to an extent. And we want them to be excited about it. And we want them, like, I don't want to tell somebody, okay, we're going to send this email and just do it. It's not just do it because I ask you to do it. It's okay. This is how this impacts the business. This is how we can help these clients if they respond to this. This is how this changes their life. And if they get that, then the other cool thing about it is they, they can go one, two, three degrees away from that. If, when they're making decisions, they, they're empowered because they get the bigger picture. They understand what we're actually trying to accomplish rather than just this kind of paint by numbers blueprint. So powerful. And one thing you said too, you've been sending emails every single day for 16 years. Yeah, it's a long time. I 
I'm so excited about that. Okay. Because I can't even have the time, get someone to post four days a week. It's a whole thing, but I'm curious, like, what are some of the biggest, what are some of the reasons I know you said follow-up is really important, but, um, what is some of the things that you've seen as you've done that for 16 years, some of the fruits of that, like have people come to you and thanked you for that. Um, what are some of the things you've noticed through or you've learned through doing that every single day for 16 years? Well, I talked to somebody last week who was new to our coaching program, said, I've been on your email list for 10 years. So I'm not telling people, well, hey, send emails and 10 years from now, you'll reap the fruits of your efforts. But, you know, I, I think that consistency is competitive advantage, right? Because most people are very kind of immediate gratification focused. And I, I think that, hey, if I go make a post and it doesn't work, well, that doesn't work. I need to go try something else or whatever else instead of staying the course and saying, okay, if I keep showing up and doing this, like by default, I'm probably already like narrowed down to the top 5% of people who will just stick to something. But then the beauty of that too is if you send it for, like let's say that somebody just did a, a video, not even 16 years, because a lot of people watching this probably haven't been in this industry for half that long, right? But let's say you you tell somebody, do, do a video a day for 100 straight days. Well, most people don't have the perseverance to do that, won't, won't stick to it. So by doing it, you're already setting yourself apart a little bit, which... You know, I mean, we're always looking for competitive advantages that aren't always, I have the biggest budget or maybe I have the best location. But the other thing about it is you get practice. You just got a hundred reps of practice. You're bound to learn things. You're bound to learn, hey, if I post this at this time, I get a better response. If I talk about these types of things, I get better feedback. I get more engagement. You know, if my lighting is this way or if my audio is that way, it's a better experience for the the user so you know i think practice goes a long way too but then for me it just it seemed like the most obvious thing that is like you know what if i show up and do good work for people consistently and kind of just coach them until they pay me to coach them then it's going to work out in my favor more often than not so what do i see I see a lot of people who come to me, not, I'm not their first business coach, but my goal is to be their last business coach, right? Mm. I want to I be the one they stay with. And so if I keep showing up and reinforcing the message, maybe over time, they kind of start to, to click with the message. If I keep showing up, I get better at doing it. Um, but I, I can't tell you the number of people we actually not just that one experience of the person that um, said, hey, I've been on your list for 10 years. I, I did a uh, kind of a, just a, a brainstorming session said, hey, people can come in and we'll brainstorm marketing stuff. And about half of them were current clients and half of them were just people from my email list. And I asked the current clients, I was talking about follow-up. Okay, how long were you on my emails before you came and join. And there was one that had just come by a referral. So not at all. And then everybody else was six months or longer. And only two of them were less than 18 months. 
So, I mean, you know, we're talking about a dozen people where the average, I think it worked out to uh, about two and a half years that they were aware of me, they had been on my email list before they actually did anything. And for me, that's reassuring because I've been kind of filling that funnel for a long time. And some people who've been on two years will become clients now. Next month, some other people who've been on for six months or 12 months will become clients then. But I think in our industry, with the kind of explosion of coaching-based or service-based franchises, right? I mean, there are orange theories and F45s everywhere. You know, most independent business owners may not beat them on like ad budget. They're probably not going to beat them on intrusive visibility, just having, you know, class A real estate on high traffic areas. But we can definitely beat them on messaging. We can beat them on solving specific problems for people. We can beat them on consistency of follow-up. All these kind of things that may not cost as much money, but you know, it requires you to, to probably do some of the things that you're coaching people to do, refine the message, and then just keep showing up over and over and over because, I mean, we're all kind of still connecting with people, wanting people to know who we are and how we can help. I'm such a marketing nerd and I'm just like, I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Okay, so I, I wrote down some quotes that I'm gonna send you to that I think you should post on your social media, just saying. Um, but, cause that's my, my brain is always just like social posts, social posts. But um, I am so fascinated and I would, I love the data that you're talking about and the fact that you're willing to ask people, how long have you been on my email list? Um, I love like that you pay so much attention to the data that you're just like half people were from email list that have been on for a while, half are newer. I just want everyone that's watching to like hear that and see that because I can barely get people to look at their Instagram insights half the time. So data is knowledge and it's power. And through you showing up for 16 years, every single day, the amount of data you must have is like absolutely amazing and exciting. And that gives you a competitive advantage as well. Cause not only are you showing up consistently and now you're consistently in the prospect's mind, because like you said, you want to be their last business coach. Well, if you're showing up every single day in my email and I'm looking for a lasting solution, I already know Pat Rigsby is consistent. I know he's going to show up for me. I know he's his word. So when I am ready, cause that's the other thing I think people don't realize, um, your message needs to keep saying over and over again until that person's at that exact perfect point where they're ready. And sometimes you can call that forward in them, in them. And sometimes you can't, you just have to keep showing up until they are at the point where they are ready for your solution, um, which is really cool. And um, I'm super excited about all this. I hope everybody's listening. Like, wow, he sends an email every day for 16 years, you can make a live once a week or make some posts. And also your message has evolved over time, I'm sure, mm -hmm. um, a lot. And I'm curious with how quickly, I think, I think COVID, I know everyone's sick of talking about COVID, but I do think it sped up what was already happening in the fitness right. industry. Um, and I'm curious what you think. So we talked, to, you touched on it a little bit, but how do you think that local gyms, local studios, most of them, I think now are focusing on the small group training side of things. 
how do you think that they, that they can actually position themselves differently in the marketplace? Because now, especially I would say my generation, I'm 28. My friends are starting to come into money. Everyone's like 28 year old millennials don't have money. Most of my friends have six figure salaries at this point. So they are looking for better solutions, but they're buying Pelotons or they're going over here. They're going over there because we also are the generation of social media and marketing. And we expect a certain level of um, clarity when we're making a purchase decision because our market sophistication with fitness is so high. So what do you think that studios can start to do to help them? I know you said consistency was one of the major competitive advantages, but what other ways do you think people can start positioning their business differently than the crunch fitness or the Peloton so that they can actually bring in those right people? So I, I think that, you know, my audience, like I said, is mostly independent small business owners rather than big chains. I mean, I've done some of that and owned some of that at certain points, but I think that for the, the studio owner or some, you know, something along those lines, there are certain things that aren't going to change, right? People are always going to want to be a better version of themselves. I can show you advertising from the late 1800s that, that illustrates that. That's not going away, right? But we need to make it about them. We need to be client-centric and not program-centric, not equipment-centric, but actual client-centric. We need to speak to the client, like what's important to them. I, you know, I know before we started recording this, you, you mentioned serving like an introvert and like speaking directly to that person and saying, you know, I'm here for you. I'm the best person to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. And I get you and you make it about them. You shine the spotlight on the person you're trying to serve. That's not going to change. Right. I, I think that you know, people are always going to want convenience. They're going to want things delivered to them in some fashion. So the, the thought that, you know, people won't come in and train in person, that, I mean, we've seen how quickly people wanted to get back in a social environment or whatever else, but, you know, making sure that you're staying connected with them all the time. That's been kind of a silver lining through the whole COVID thing is I think that at least my clients got better at connecting with their people outside of workouts, providing more accountability, providing support when it came to recovery or nutrition or stress relief and, and making sure that they see you as your, you know, as the coach, not just as the host of workouts, which, you know, that's what, a, a, you know, most of the franchises are, they're a host of workouts. That's what Peloton is. It's a host of a workout. So you have to say, okay, no, I'm, I'm about the client. You can get a workout anywhere and you can get it cheap. But if you want somebody to actually care about you as an individual and where you want to go and what's held you back and what you believe has held you back, which may not be the exact same thing. And I'm going to provide you the motivation, the accountability, the support, you know, the, the problem solving to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. I'm going to be the teammate that's going to cheer you on. That's, that's where I think our opportunity is because, I mean, I founded two franchises. I 
that's not easily scaled in a franchise model. That's not what franchises are. That's not what Peloton or Mirror is going to be. So we've got to kind of find that, that lane in between those and say, okay, no, we're going to be client-centric. We're going to actually let them know that they're important. This isn't about us, right? They're not just an attendee. They're not a face in the crowd. They're not just another number. They're an important individual that we're going to make sure they feel valued and appreciated. And, you know, I mean, how many people come in because, you know, people just want to be, they want to feel better. They may say, well, I want to lose 20 pounds, but what they're really saying is I'm not happy with the way I am right now. And I'm assuming that when I lose 20 pounds, my life's going to be a little bit better. I'm going to feel better about myself. Maybe, you know, my, my relationships may be a little bit better. My confidence will be better. Well, they don't have to wait around 20 pounds later for us to make them feel better about themselves now and feel important and valued. So these are things that I think that if we start to prioritize them a little bit more than, hey, I use kettlebells or I use bands or, you know, we have large group training or we use heart rate monitors. Tools are great. But tools are not a differentiator as long as I can pull out my credit card and order the same tools that you have. The differentiator is being client-focused rather than kind of internally focused. So good. I wrote down more quotes for your social media, for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So good. I feel like everything you're saying is so true. And even as someone who's like not... um, like I come from outside of the fitness world. I serve fitness business owners, but I'm not super fit. And I know for me, I was telling you before we started recording how challenging it's been for me to find a gym that I feel like, oh, this is going to be the gym for me because everybody markets the same in my neighborhood. And I'm looking for something specific. And even if one of them had something, for example, that was like um, for brides, like a four month wedding plan, like get you to where you want to be in four months, like get you more tone and feeling confident on your wedding day. Even if that gym was like in the suburbs or in the middle of the loop, where would it be really challenging for me to go? I would go because I want that specific solution right now. So I'm like, where can I go? And if they had that and they were marketing that, then, you know, who knows what could be possible. And they could also then create partnerships with wedding planners and wedding photographers. And they and can then- advertise on the knot. They can, I mean, everything becomes very specific when you know who you are and what you can help them do, what problems they have, what, what things that, I mean, kind of the story that's playing in their mind, right? You can jump right in and say, no, I get you. See, my wife, had a very popular fitness for moms program for about a decade. And I I think what really helped springboard her early on, because she was very much an early adopter of kind of online workouts and stuff was all the other people that were kind of marketing to that crowd then were guys. And so she understood the challenges, the the, the things that were actually going through these, these women's minds, the, the days that they had. And so she was able to speak directly to that. And now, you know, that, that market's very crowded and there are a lot of people doing great work there. But that just illustrated to me right out of the gate, like, man, if you really focus in on your person, 
you know, a bribe and all the things that are on their plate and where they're looking. I mean, you can form strategic alliances, you know where to market, you know exactly what's important to them and you can speak to that. You can help them solve these problems and have the best possible wedding day ever and capture these wonderful memories that are gonna last a lifetime. And you've built this relationship that obviously leads to referrals, can lead to ongoing services or programs there. I mean, so many opportunities, but sometimes it just starts with saying, okay, who am I the, you know, who am I committed to being the best person for, you know? And if you do that, you, you can dig pretty deep and, and I think build a pretty awesome business. Totally. If someone actually helped me with that, I would stay there. <laughs> I would totally stay there. I think that's other thing that people make up in their head, like, oh, well, if I do that, then I can't have my normal studio the way it's set up. Like, no, you can, you just have this specific program that, other and then guess what? I'm going to meet other brides. We're going to be at the same point in our life. We're going to become friends and we're going to meet up at the gym. Like it's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be amazing. Constraints <laughs> are a wonderful thing. And a lot of people don't, don't think of it that way. They, they feel like, well, if I limit myself in some way, then I'm missing out. Well, the reality is we already have constraints. We just haven't thought about them. I mean, most, most times, like if you're going to the grocery store, you're going to one based on convenience. So your constraints are geography based at that point, right? But now we're not exclusively kind of limited by geography as a constraint because people can get Peloton, they can get Mirror, they can do all these other things. So we probably have to find other ways to go deeper instead of just thinking, okay, I'm gonna go wider. I'm gonna be all things to all people. And, you know, the, the deeper you go in a specific vertical, the, the better you get. The more you know about that person, the more you become kind of the default solution for that market. Whereas, you know, if you're just, all things to all people. Well, hey, I can help anybody. I can help prenatal people. I can help seniors. I can help athletes. Well, you're never the best solution for anybody. You may be able to help a bunch of people, but there's always somebody that they believe can help them more. Yeah, totally. Even like when we started the, before we started recording, I was taking notes on who your ideal client is. Cause I love to know that. And right when you were talking to me, I was like, oh, okay, now I know. But if somebody tells me who, what their ideal client is and it's not clear, I'm gonna forget it immediately. And then my referral is gonna go to the person who was more specific because I remember them now as the person who does X, Y, Z. So I think referral based too, and even like PR wise and social media wise, like you don't need this audience of a million followers who could give, you know, to poops what you're saying like you want to have a targeted audience of people who want to hear from you who are going to like follow you who are going to open your emails that you send them every day because now everyone's going to do that after this interview right everyone <laughs> <laughs> um so one i have two more questions for you one question i'm just curious what you think because you've been in this industry for a long time you've coached thousands i believe of people um, at all levels, what does it take? Like, what does it really take 
to create a seven-figure fitness business? You know, I think it takes uh, a few different traits as much as anything. I think it takes perseverance that because every business owner I've ever met has faced challenges, they've faced ups and downs, whether they're kind of these bigger things like recessions or pandemics or just internal things like, hey, you know what? Business was slow for a month. You're like, you've got to be able to handle some of that turbulence because if you don't, you're never going to be able to stick with it long enough to get there. Um, so, so that's probably the first thing. The, the second would be you need a vision, right? Like you can't just say, okay, I'm going to just go punch the clock, train people, and I'm going to magically kind of end out at this destination. Like we need the, this place we want to go. And you don't, you know, I mean, you can't have it be perfectly precise because if you've never been there, you don't know all the details of it. I mean, I'll talk to people who have a $100,000 a year business and we'll talk about getting a, a million, multi-million dollar business. And there are things that they've never experienced when it comes to staffing or HR. You know, there, there are things that they've never had to deal with when it comes to like maybe the, the size of the facility and the type of fixed overhead they have. But you, you can kind of see like, this is what I want. And, you know, you, you start to make it pretty vivid and that becomes almost like this magnetic thing pulling you towards it, where it gets you focused, where you show up and you do the work each and every day. So you have to have that to have focus, I think, because every day we're going to be kind of provided with hundreds of small up to big choices decisions we got to make, how we're going to spend our time, where we're going to allocate our resources. And we need something that helps us kind of serve as that filter to keep us moving in that direction. Um, you know, and I think you have to be adaptable. I think that the challenges you face with a million or multi-million dollar business are not the same challenges that you face when you're a solopreneur that's making $6,000 a month. And so you've got to be able to adapt to kind of the different role that you're going to play, the, the, the different things that you're going to be responsible for, the, you know, the, the way the market kind of evolves. And, you know, if, if you have those things in place, you know, and you're willing to learn, right? You're willing to say, man, there are other people out here who've experienced some of this or better in these certain areas. Like, I mean, I've been doing marketing for a long, long time because, I mean, as a college baseball coach, you're recruiting, you're constantly marketing. But there's no doubt in my mind that you know infinitely more about social media than I do, right? And so you've got to be humble enough to say, there's somebody that I can learn from. There's somebody that's better that I can learn from and bring it in-house for somebody to do it or hand it off and let this person kind of showcase their unique ability. Because if you don't think that way, then you're going to really kind of cap your ceiling because, you know, the, to get to seven figures, multiple seven figures beyond, it's a team sport. Like I said, you, 
you can't do it alone. Even if you're kind of the face of everything, if you're the, the star of the show, there's always this supporting cast around you that is, they're playing these, these really meaningful roles. And, you know, you can't lose, lose sight of that because, it, I mean, the more you value them, I know for me, I've, I've been really fortunate. I've had zero turnover in the last six years since I started my current business. But I think part of that has just been that I value my team so much in what they do. And I know that each of them are better at doing their thing than I would be at doing that thing. And so my job's to make sure we're all pulling the rope in the same direction and providing them the support and the resources they need to be successful in their spot. So, I mean, I know that was kind of a all over the place answer, but I, I think that so many people think seven figures are just, hey, if I can run some ads and I have a sales funnel, then I can get there. I'm like, man, that's, even if you could get to seven figures in a year or a seven figure run rate or whatever else, it's not sustainable, right? You got to build from the inside out if you want to build something great that lasts over time. So good. Zero turnover, you guys. Well, this guy's this guy's the real deal. <laughs> knock on wood here. Now, hopefully nobody <laughs> emails me later giving me their notice or something, right? No, I'm sure it's fine. And that also shows that your people must feel really valued because that's the number one reason people leave. It's not like the overworking or, you know, whatever salary it's valued, like people feeling actually valued at work. So, um, that's really cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. I've, I've been really lucky to get good people. And strangely enough, all of those people were relationship focused. They were people that were clients of mine or they were on my email list or, I, you know, we knew them through relationships, like they were clients of my wife's and her program. So um, I think that, you know, a lot of people think that culture, hey, you got to have good people. I'm like, no, you, I mean, you need good people, but good people can kind of struggle if they're not put in the right environment. They're not appreciated and valued. So yeah, get good people, but then set them up to succeed and make sure they know that they're appreciated. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, awesome. Okay. I have one final question for you. Yeah. It's a Tim Ferriss question. <laughs> yeah. um, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in recent memory? Man, I, this was easy. I know this is hard for some people, but I am a planner, right? Like, and I am analog planning. Like I use calendar stuff and use technology a lot, but for me, analog planning, like write it down, is it allows me to kind of disconnect and focus on my stuff and not feel reactive. I can always be proactive. So I'm always going to plan my day the evening prior to um, make sure that tomorrow's spent on the things that are important to me, not necessarily just reacting to what seems urgent to other people. And it allows me to kind of document things and learn stuff over time. So I, I think for me, it's a little bit cathartic in that, hey, I may be interactive with a lot of people and responding to 
obligations or responsibilities or whatever else. But every day I get to say, this is what I intend to get done tomorrow. And it's lined up with where I'm trying to go. And it just allows me to recalibrate and make sure that I'm kind of focused on what's important personally and professionally. So that's my uh, number one purchase. That was a full focus planner that, I mean, you can get them through full focus planner or uh, Amazon. I also love the full focus planner. When you held that up, I got so excited. I was like, that's my favorite planner too. <laughs> They're just so well-made and I love the way it's laid out. I tried the Brendan Burchard one for a while and I love the questions in that one, but the layout of it is just like, to, it's not laid out for my brain. I don't know if that makes sense. The full focus planner I think is so good and it's just so high quality. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used a Franklin Quest planner pre-Franklin Cove even. It was very similar. So when I saw this one um, originally and I used it since they launched it, it's been absolutely awesome. And uh, the planner we give to our clients takes some elements of both of those and then adds in a bunch of fitness industry specific stuff to, uh, to, to help people kind of do the same. So no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoy that one too. It's been awesome for me. And talk about a, a consistent marketing campaign and like building community. Like they have an awesome Facebook group. I don't know if you're in it, but I, when I got that planner, I was like inundated with this whole community. I was like, this is really cool because it's not just a product. It's a community. They're getting feedback from everyone. They're answering your questions or helping you get started with the planner. Like, it's really cool how they've been able to create a whole culture around a planner, which is also creating more brand loyalty, which is. I mean, they've got a, the, the full-blown mastermind group that they have really kind of hinges on the planner. Like that's the, the foundation of all of it. That's cool. I didn't even know they had a mastermind group. That's awesome. Um, cool. Well, Pat, thank you so much for being here. Um, you have a free gift for everyone that I think everyone needs to download. This interview, I think, is one of the best we've done so far. So everybody, make sure there's a big button below that says download Pat's free gift. It's the Fitness Entrepreneur's Handbook. Um, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what they should do right when they download it? So the Fitness Entrepreneur Handbook is the kind of, uh, I think it's like my flagship book. I've got a, a number of books, but this is the one that doesn't really matter where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. They're like, it, it kind of meets you where you are and things are kind of written more in essay or individual kind of standalone chapter format instead of, hey, I got to read everything sequentially to reap the benefit of the book. So you can kind of just flip through and say, okay, if I need to get better at selling, if I need to figure out, you know, who my ideal client is, or, or maybe where the bottlenecks of my business are, there's a chapter for it. And, you know, it's easy reading, it's probably not going to make any English professor very happy because I write like I talk. Um, but I think, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of gold in there that um, could help somebody go from where they are to where they want to be um, a little more quickly. Everybody, make sure you download that. I'm excited. I'm going to download it and read it myself, too. And just so you know, Pat, I'm sure you do know this because you are a marketing nerd, too. 
writing how you talk is the best way to write copy. I used to be a copywriter at big ad agencies. That was my like corporate career before I started my business. And people don't realize that even in like big ad campaigns and stuff, you're breaking the grammar rules. That's why I always tell the grammar freaks. I'm like, guys, chill. It's okay. You know, conversational. I get to emails periodically telling people to correct my grammar. I'm like, well, you opened it and read it. So I'm doing something right. Okay. <laughs> like you, you wanted it. So, yeah. I always tell people that if they're bothered by typos, just unfollow me. I'm a great writer, but I'm terrible at spelling and grammar. So <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, thanks so much, Pat. I appreciate you. I know I kept you a little bit over here. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with everybody and everyone. Feel free to also reach out to Pat on social media and let him know what you got from this and thank him for being here with us because it was so valuable. And I know I'm going to rewatch this myself because there's so many gems. So thank you, Pat. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And hopefully you guys got a little bit out of it and always happy to help. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Social Strategy Slayer. Before you go, before you go, I have something really awesome for you. I have a PDF download on all of the things you need to know about creating an Instagram bio that actually converts. I know that I personally love a visual. I love to download something and actually be able to see what are my action steps. How do I take that next step? Because a huge way that people lose money or lose the game on Instagram is by not having their bio ducks in a row. They don't know how to convert their, their profile photos off, their username is off, their name is not optimized for SEO. They don't have their bio constructed. They don't know where to put certain things like personal values. They don't know where to put things like what their call to action is. They're all messed up on Linktree. They don't know these things. And you need to have your bio in order for you to be able to convert on Instagram. You do. It's the number one thing I tell people when I'm on my audits with them. I go through their bio and I basically tear it to shreds. And it's all out of love and it's something you can rinse and repeat. You can use this download anytime you want, but click down to the show notes and click over and download this PDF because it is going to help you keep it in your resource file. Make sure you take action on it today because this is something that up until now I've only taught in my courses, my programs, my VIP days. And still, I, I, I do tell people how to do this for their personal brand on those sessions, but you now have a PDF downloadable guide that cuts right to the chase. How do I create an Instagram bio that converts? I got you. Head to the show notes and take action on it today. Save it in your files. Make sure that you save it. You rinse and repeat it. You can use it anytime you want. So I hope you head down to the show notes. You click that and you download your guide to creating an Instagram bio that converts. It'll take you maybe 15 minutes to update. It will take you no time at all. And it'll help you actually create leads from your Instagram. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you love, someone that you know really could use it. And don't forget to download that guide. All right. Sending you all my love and I'll see you next week.